Hi there, you're listening to the Guitar Speak podcast, the show where we speak to leading guitarists, luthiers, gear builders, and much, much more from all around the world. My name's Matt Wakeling, and thank you so much for joining me today. Now, thank you for all the great response that we received following the Dweezil Zappa interview that we posted in episode number 64. It was really cool to meet Dweezil and talk about his Australian tour and keeping alive the musical legacy of his father, Frank Zappa. Now, if you missed that interview, you can find it at guitarspeakpodcast.libson.com or head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. Now, today we speak to Australian guitarist Jeff Lang. For over two decades, Jeff's incredible live performances and a fantastic body of recorded work has seen him be regarded as one of Australia's most treasured artists. Jeff approaches songwriting with such a strong narrative in the storytelling and pairs it up with virtuosic performances on resonators, electrics, acoustics, lap steels. And I guess because of that, he's often placed in the blues and roots camp. But one aspect of Jeff's work that which separates him and really places him in a unique category is his absolute sonic alchemy. Jeff has no qualms mixing gloriously full range and rich acoustic timbres with gnarly and gritty and earthy guitar tones as well, sometimes just veering into pure sound design. It was a lot of fun discussing this with Jeff, especially in reference to his latest album, Alone in Bad Company, released in early 2017. started the interview with Jeff asking if he'd always planned to work as a solo artist. Early days of playing, it was more, I was playing in like rock bands and stuff around, you know, I was living in Geelong and played in sort of, you know, cover bands and played in a blues band for a while down there. And yeah, I was just sort of starting to, it's early 90s, starting to write songs and started playing solo shows around that time. And it just kind of took, took over, I guess certainly a lot easier going out and playing shows on your own and not having to, you know, because, I mean, you know, early days of establishing your career, it's, there's never a lot of money around. So it's hard keeping, keeping like a four-piece band on the road or something. So, um, yeah. And I found, it, I found it really liberating as well. Just you could kind of write a song and you didn't have to sort of wonder about, you know, the guys that I had in my band probably weren't the right guys, you know. They just... I, I didn't feel like a lot of things I was writing were were able to be played 
you know. It, wouldn't, it wasn't like they were going to be played badly, but I just um, I didn't know exactly what I wanted from other players, and so it was kind of easier to just go out and play on your own and just put a song across, and then as you sort of work, you, you know, when you don't need to have a band there, then you can kind of... You know, you bump into someone who plays drums in a way that you really like, and you and you find, oh, okay, this is this is what works. You know, I was just had to meet this person because it's not really, you know, it's not it's not fun to be kind of um, beholden to a particular format. You know, like okay, I need to have a drummer there, so I guess I'll just get a drummer whoever's available. You know, it's nice to actually have people to play with it where you go, well, I just love the way they particularly play. Yeah, sure, sure. So when when did like the blues and roots um, become a big deal for you? Well, it always has been. I mean, like you know, I don't know what I do is necessarily, you know, defined by blues music or roots music. I guess roots music is a general, yeah, uh, pretty sure. broad umbrella yeah. term. But I mean, you know, like it, those things have connotations to people. People think of a certain style of music when they think of those terms and it might not necessarily be what I do but I've, I've always loved you know a broad range of stuff I mean I grew up listening to guys like Dylan and Rykuda and stuff like that so you know that's um, always been a big part of it I mean the focus is mostly on having having a decent song to play trying to write something that feels like it's a, something you can stand behind and then and then you know add your whatever whatever you can bring to it instrumentally to try and support the mood that you're creating with that song. That's, that's always been the deal. You've, um, I've read you describe your music as disturbed folk. What did you mean by that? That's a great term. <laughs> well, someone actually said that to me early on in the piece when I was playing around doing solo gigs. Oh, it's kind of like folk music, but it's kind of like disturbed folk music or something. And, and I, it made me laugh, so, you know. <laughs> So, so I used that one for a while. I had a live album early on in the piece that I called that, and it just sort of semi-stuck. I mean, you know. Uh-huh. That's great. I think um, from your new album, listening through, um, like a tune like uh, Palmyra Lad, there's there's that long middle section, that long jam out, that, that might fit into that disturbed folk kind of section perhaps. Yeah, although I just think of that as kind of, you know, rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cool. I love that tune. It's definitely got some, um, maybe some Neil Young um, sure, kind of yeah. vibe going on. But then, yeah, that middle section, it just becomes a real trippy uh, section. I, I love some of the production stuff you're doing on that too. Like there's this really big reverb on the guitar sometimes, and then it's just as dry as a bone. It's such a, a fun contrast. Yeah, I mean, I was doing that, I was doing that as, as I was going along. There's a thing where if you have a, a reverb on the amp and then have another one in front of it that's set really kind of extreme. Uh-huh. And so when, when you when you switch it in, it, it you know, because it's getting it's hitting an amplifier that's kind of peaking out and overdriving yeah, and yeah. all of the reverbs kind of fight to you know, fight with your guitar signal to kind of find room out of the through the circuitry and out of the speaker and they all mush together. So that there's that happening occasionally. And then I was also as as I was mixing I was I was moving the sound around in, in the in the space, you know. I had a, a couple of spring reverbs, one on the left and one on the right, and so as the solo is going along, I could sort of send send more reverb out to one side or the other as it went, and then occasionally none. Okay. So the guitar would sort of leap leap forward. It's not actually getting louder, but it just 
because you know as soon as you have more reverb on something it feels like it's further away yes, yeah. so so you'd kind of all of a sudden bring the reverb down to nothing and and it would be in a, a passage where I had the reverb switched off mm-hmm. on the on the amp as well in the performance and so the guitar would just kind of naturally spring forward in front of you and you know so yeah, that was that was fun. It was fun to fun to record and, and a lot of fun to mix too. That's great. Yeah, I love that. That was so so cool. Um, I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but we're we're talking about your album Alone in Bad Company, which was released earlier this year. What what goes behind the Jeff Lang album? You've done I've lost count. It's well over twenty solo albums. Um, can you talk us through the writing process or the preparation for your latest record? Um. Well, I mean, the similarity between a lot of them is, is there's just, you know, a general accumulation of material. So um, I'll get to a point where I feel like usually, you know, there's there's enough stuff there and, and I'll have a pile of songs in a certain that, that seem to fit together and I'll go and record them. Um, this time around, I, I, I did have that to a degree, but also I just sort of started recording things and I, and I decided early in the piece that I was going to, record it mostly myself. I mean, Palmyra Ladder had Danny McKenna play drums on it with me and that's the only song on the album that has anyone else playing okay. on it. And yep. Al- Alison Ferrier who Alison Ferrier who co wrote the song sung harmonies with me as well. But everything else on the record was just done by me. And so um I sort of decided that early on and so I'd you know, <clears throat> I'd have a couple of songs there and I'd think, Oh yeah these and then and then once I sort of realised oh, yeah, I'm liking this, this I'm liking the way this is sounding it's got a mood to it I think I'll pursue this then I could just kind of if I'd written a song and I felt like recording it I could just head out and to you know to the studio and and you know work on that song and I'd, I'd usually mix it on that same day as well okay um, so you know I'd, I'd I'd be out there and record you know maybe it'd be just really simple you know just one guitar, you know, and and a voice, and and so I just do it, get a performance I liked, and then mix it, and then that'd be done. Other ones I might like Palmyra Lad, where I just kind of went crazy with a lot of instruments, yeah. um, and so I just sit there out there, work, you know, adding things, playing other parts, and then I would mix it on the day as well. Okay. Um, so you could just kind of, so you're actually accumulating songs, but you're also accumulating recordings of, of the songs and mixes as you go and so you know it was so it was very immediate from some of the songs being written to them being recorded was even closer than other times and I don't generally sort of I like to catch things when it's pretty fresh okay. and you've written the yeah. song and you're sort of excited about it and you feel like you're almost discovering how it should be played in front of the microphone that can be that can be a good thing to, to capture um, you know where you sort of get your your instinct yep. rather than something that's too thought out and calculated because you can kind of you can kind of lose something in that um, and then once you've recorded it then you kind of know how the song goes and then you go off and it, and it continues to change and that's cool too uh-huh. but um, it's nice sometimes to capture it when it's really fresh on a recording so so this time around I could do that and you know, as a consequence I had a massive pile of stuff at the end of this process like there was I've recorded a whole bunch of folk songs as well that I didn't use and, and, and multiple versions of a lot of these songs too. You know, there was, say, Palmyra Lad, there was a version of that that was just done on a nylon string oh, guitar. Okay. Yep. 
and and you know I just sort of would then have a look and see which so I was very different and and I'd just have a look and see which one I preferred. You know? Yeah, great. Sometimes, sometimes as with that one, the the fleshed out version would would be the one that I'd prefer, and then other times, like say with um, Burnside, it would be the the version that was quite raw and stripped back. That would be the one that just felt better. I love that you've taken that spontaneity not only in the writing and performing, um, but into the mixing. That's that's cool. So you're not going back and retweaking stuff. Yeah, just just do it when you're in the sort of the rush of being excited about this new song, and then excited about recording it, and then excited by, you know, okay, yeah, I've got this new song. You're sort of really doing everything in that when, when it's that kind of occasion, you know, like say Brian Borrow's Walls is, is, is a song that I've written. And once I sort of got nutted out how I wanted the melody to go, I went and recorded it straight away and then mixed it. So you're kind of doing everything in that kind of hot rush of yeah, cool. the first kind of excitement of having created it. Whereas sometimes, you know, you can go through a period of going, oh, Jesus, do I like this song though? Like, you know, you kind of you write it and you get excited and then you look at it a week later and go, is this actually any good at all? And then you <laughs> yeah. sort of work your way through that and eventually it you're okay with it, but you can always perform a song effectively if you believe in it. So yeah. it's good to to sort of go with that Great. and get that rush. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now you've been touring pretty steadily since the release. Have the songs take yeah. have the songs taken on a life of their own since the recording? Yeah, certain ones have been really working. Um, you know, like they, they really kind of take flight, and then. Other ones, you know, they sort of come and go, you know, you sort of, they work in a certain situation, but, but not in others, you know. There, there's a lot of sort of slow, moody stuff on there, and so you have to dole those out, and sometimes it just doesn't feel like that's the the one to, you know, going for that sort of mood in a, in a, in a gig. You, you don't want to do, like, five of those type of songs in a row and make everyone kill themselves. Sure. Do you, do, you use a, so, <laughs> do you have a set list, Jeff, or do you kind of gauge it on the gig? No. No, especially playing solo like I have been on this tour, it's, it's, it's much more just kind of winging it and just doing what you feel like at, at the time. I mean, you know, new songs tend to get always, you know, get some kind of prominence just because you're excited more, you know, they're, they're new, fresh, and it, it sort of helps. It helps the whole set. Older songs seem to get a spark off being, you know, being in close proximity to newer songs. Yeah, okay. So, um, yeah. But, um, yeah, I just tend to, to wing it. Cool. You mentioned Burnside. That's got such a meaty guitar tone. What what guitar is that on that track? That's the one that's on the front cover, the old, my old um, 60s airline resonator guitar. Right. Funny, funny instrument. It's got like a fiberglass body and... Um, and you know the metal cone inside it, and a wooden neck. Um, and yeah, it's just you know they were like a kind of, I guess like a student model or something. Uh-huh. You know, that, like well, well, sort of enthusiasm for you know industrial enthusiasm in instrument design. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. Yeah, got this, got this new you know new body material we can try. Uh-huh. Let's make the body yeah, out of yeah. it's kind of like fiberglass with a plastic case around it. So it's yeah. But yeah, we'll do it with this fiberglass stuff, fiberglass guitar body. You know, what that sound like? Well, it sounds kind of funny and <laughs> and honky. Um, but then I was I was I had it mic'd up, and I also had it running through a little Rex mascot amplifier, and that was it. Just vocal mic, guitar mic, and one mic on the amplifier. Oh, that's and then cool. I just 
spread spread the um, the amplifiers sound in the mix with just a little bit of tape echo. Okay, nice. Yeah, it's a cool tone. It's very primal and, and immediate that that kind of honk. Yeah, well, it's standing right on top of the right right on top of the amp. Like the amp was sitting right next to me, so yeah. it was kind of like in the intro where you get the start feeding back. It was kind of ready to feed back at any moment. It's, you know, not a big amp. Little Rex mascot's only about five watts or something, uh-huh. but it was turned up pretty loud. So, <laughs> yeah, I was actually surprised because when, when I was checking it out to mix, there was actually still a lot of signal in the in the acoustic guitar mic because they do spit out a bit of level, those resonator okay, guitars. Yep. But I was surprised that, that, that it actually didn't have too much of the amplifier in it because the amplifier just was all I could hear in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's great. Um, what other guitars on the album? Like the acoustic on um, Fugitive Ghosts is, is a beautiful tone. What what acoustics are you playing? Are you still playing your Churchill guitars? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, Churchill acoustic guitar. That's, um, yeah, it's a nice sound. Cool. Managed to get a nice kind of dry acoustic guitar sound on that one. Yeah, um, um, yeah. yeah, there's that. So the Churchill acoustic guitars, like... Things like um, there's quite a lot of instruments. I was trying to think. So the fugitive goes through the middle solo on that is, is the, um, the Churchill acoustic lap steel. Okay. I wanted to have a thing on that one where where I could sort of travel through a pretty short little solo. It's a tight little solo, but I wanted to sort of travel through being from from a purely acoustic mic'd up sound to electric sounding and also quite you know trippy and you know backwards yeah and stuff like that you're the in, reverse, in the, yeah. and then back and then back again yeah, yeah awesome. and then back again um yeah it gets a bit gnarly and, so, in the and that was all yeah that was all done in the live take as well that wasn't like a, a later manipulation it was sort of i had a pickup running had the microphone on the guitar and i had the pickup going into a di channel yeah and then I had I had it also going through. Well, before it hit the DI, I had it with a um, going through a, a Digitech space station, oh, which okay. has this setting setting called Warp, yeah. where you, it's got a treadle on it, and if you you turn it from heel down to toe down, it actually does this sort of. You hear it sort of go, and then it starts sounds like tape flying down, and then it starts coming out backwards. Excellent. So what a so what you're playing comes out backwards, and then. A volume pedal after that, um, going into an amplifier, so it gets distorted, and then at a certain point, I hit on a, a fuzz that and it was deliberately kind of set up. I had this little amp that's it's called a Broadway. The, the box of it's made of cardboard, and it's um, like half a suitcase or a little single sewing machine sort of case with a um, with a tube amp in it. It's got like a, a an oval shaped speaker, and it sort of craps out. You can hear it in the middle. It sort of actually kind of craps out. So when I click the fuzz in, the amp can't quite take it. So it's <laughs> and then <laughs> from cool. there, it sort of rapidly comes back through less distorted and then back to completely acoustic by the end. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, so I just wanted to see if I could do that in the space of a little eight bar solo. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> so that's that one. Yeah, that's first cool. time we talked about Palmera Lad. The main acoustic guitar was actually in my wife's old Ibanez acoustic, like a 70s acoustic guitar. Um, And there's a Gretsch. I've got a a recent Gretsch um, electromatic solid body 
I've got a pair of old Gibson, uh, sorry, not Gibson, old Fender wide-range humbuckers in it. Oh, yeah, cool. So that, yeah, that was the main electric guitar on that song. Um, let's see, you know, Dan Electro bass on there as well. Yeah, cool. Um, uh, what else, what other songs are there on there? Um, trying to think of other guitar, but there's little instrumentals, so there's quite a few different things on, on those. Little guy playing electric guitar on... Um, on the first instrument, like falling down infinite staircase. Um, and I was playing it also with various, so some of the things that sound like percussion on there are um, playing slide with, like, say, a cardboard toilet tube. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, and, and a kind of um, paper coffee cup and things like that. So they, they filter out a lot of the frequencies and, and you get no sustain. Uh, yep, and yep. so it ends up sounding sounding like steel drums or you know, kalimbas and things like that. And so, yeah, you get some interesting sort of textural sounds, percussive sounds with that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, cool. Preaching pre- 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 and a little supro lap steel, run through a wire pedal and, uh, believe it or not, a, a gorilla practice. Oh, yeah, <laughs> great. <laughs> I remember those well. I recorded that. I rec- yeah, I recorded that. My guitar part really late at night, and I didn't want to DI it, so I, I set this little gorilla. It has this disgusting sounding tube crunch. Yeah, yeah the little switch. <laughs> yeah, so I, I had that I had that yeah. wound up, and the amplifier was like, I mean, it was as it was as loud as just the acoustic strings off the electric steel. Okay. I was very quiet sitting sitting at my feet, yeah. and I listened the next day and thought that sounds like it's raging. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. I love all this experimentation. Well, sometimes, you know, sometimes you want a big, a big, rich sound. I mean, you know, the soloing on Palmera Lab, that's more traditional, you know, like a, not a huge amp, but, you know, the amp's wound up and the tubes are working and that sounds, and that's what you want for that. Yep. But other times, other times something that, you know, it might be run through a little cigarette pack amp mm-hmm. with a plastic speaker and you know it, on its own it sounds kind of disgusting but in a track it can be just a thing yeah okay for for your slide your lap steel or your um, standard guitar do you have any go-to tunings you're using yeah I like you know for for lap steel the general home base is open E okay um, but then there are certain ones that are um, variations on that, like say, you know, not turn for tangle. I had a little slide instrumental piece on there on the lap steel. Um, that's with it's, it's like open E, but the third string isn't a G sharp. It's actually uh, an F sharp. Okay, yep. So it'd be E E B E F sharp B E, and then sometimes I use E B E F sharp B D. Okay, like a ninth chord sort of thing. So, yeah, like with that so ninth in the middle, and it's got a dominant seventh on the top. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so that that one I use a fair bit. Um, and then there's other ones on on acoustic. There's I use Dadgad a fair bit. Um, there's another one they use a fair bit, which is it's like standard, but the um, the G strings drop down to E and the D strings drop down to B. Okay. And then on Fugitive Ghosts, it's that tuning, but instead of 
the D string stays like normal, but the, just the G has dropped down to E. Oh, that's okay. what's going on on that song. Gotcha. Fantastic. So as we mentioned earlier, you've been pretty flat out um, touring since the, the album's come out. What have you got coming up for the this second half of the year? Or later half, I should say. Um, there's less, there's less you know, extended run for touring. It's more just the odd show here and there. I mean, I'm doing the Sydney Guitar Fest, obviously. So, yeah, fantastic. Um, yeah, there's, there's just um, there's just the odd shows here and there. You in Victoria in the next month or two, you know, sort of little festivals and things like that that are happening. And, and then, yeah, you know, at the end of the year, I'll be playing at, um, at Woodford Folk Festival. And, um, but, yeah, up until then, it, it's more just the odd show here and there, you know, like maybe, you know, five or six shows in a month sure. as opposed to, you know... 20 shows at the moment. Yeah, yeah, like May and June looked full on. Looked like you were everywhere, which is yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, from, from February to July, it was pretty intensive, yeah. Yeah, cool. Well, that's that's great. And I um, saw so you, you were over in the UK for a while as well, so great to hear. Yeah, a couple, couple of weeks over there in the middle of all of that. Yeah. Kind of crazy little, that was, a, that was a, the, uh, the sort of most busy month because I was also I've been helping I've been recording producing a, an album for well there's a few albums on the go for other people that have been working on in the studio oh, okay. simultaneously Great. but yeah you know in amongst all of that stuff was recording an album for someone else which is okay. still ongoing but yeah that that was all sandwiched in amongst all that too so enough yeah right well mate good stuff good to hear you're busy and um the new album's fantastic so congratulations Oh, cheers. And, um, yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Absolutely, yeah. And I'm um, hoping to catch it at the Sydney Guitar Festival with the uh, the Slide Evolution night they've got on with. Um... Yeah, that should be fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good, good to team up with, with, um, with Dom Turner and Fiona Boys for that too. It'll be a fun night. Yeah, it should be great. Have you worked with those guys before? Fiona, I've not actually played. Oh, yeah, maybe I have actually on, on a festival a while ago. Actually, I think I have. So, yeah, with both of them I have. Okay, um, great. More with Dom, but... But yeah, it's always good. They're, they're long-time friends and love what they both do. So it'll be great fun to have a play together Excellent. as well as doing our own thing. Fantastic. Good stuff. Well, Jeff, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And um, and all the best for the rest of the, the gigs and, and albums you're, you're producing and your own stuff, of course. Good on you, man. Thanks for your time. All right, there you go, my conversation with Jeff Lang. I really enjoyed meeting him and finding out a bit more about his totally unique approach to songwriting and guitar playing. Now, if you're enjoying the podcast, you might consider one of a couple of ways in which you can support the show. Number one is by sharing the episodes on your social media or what have you. That totally helps us get the word out way beyond what we can do ourselves and is incredibly appreciated. So yeah, share the episodes. Another way you can support the show is via Patreon, where you can contribute financially to the running of the show. Helps us keep the lights on and uh, continue what we're doing. There's a link to the Patreon site in our show notes. Now, how can I support you? Well, number one, let me know if there's anyone you would like to see on the show. If there's any guests uh, or anything else you'd like to hear on the Guitar Speak podcast, drop me a line. There's the links in the show notes and I'll gladly consider all suggestions. Finally, I can support you by giving you a free podcast almost every week. If you subscribe to us, then our podcast gets delivered to your device, whether it's uh, through Apple Podcasts or um, Stitcher Radio or iHeartRadio, um, you can get the podcast for free. So if you're just tuning in today or 
just seeing a, an episode here or there, why not subscribe? And then you get it every single episode without fail. All right, thank you so much for joining me. My name's Matt Wakeling. You've been listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. I'll catch you next time. <laughs>